Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. I have good news, and I have some bad news, and then I have some good news. Um, The good news is that uh, Ryan's sick. Woo! <laughs> so for all of you who say fire nanny, it's really like only eight people, and they don't mean it. But for the purposes of this gag, we'll play along. Yeah, Ryan's sick, so he can't make the show. And it's not like this show's given level of audio quality could really stand a scratchy, patchy voice. We might not even notice it. He could just blame it on our usual signal interruptions. Uh, I am Spencer Hall, the... Uh, editor at large of sbnation.com founder of every day should be saturday y'all know me joining us always uh not sick at all because kennesaw stay strong jason kirk say hi hey what's happening uh we do have a third because we, we can't have a podcast without three members we figured we get somebody who is used to working kind of you know on the fly in a three-person situation and won't mind getting talked over or talking over somebody else or both that could happen so we asked friend of the program mina kimes of espn the magazine <laughs> to join us i like that my qualification is that i'm used to working on something with three people <laughs> that's what you went with that that is that is more of all the things <laughs> it's that... like we have we have like a boat that has to be like a three-person <laughs> paddle boat that's what this is this is really uh, <laughs> this is really a bobsled event, and somebody fell out, and we're just like, "You're the person in the middle. All we need you to do is like sprint real hard and try, and and jump in. Uh, the other two people will do everything else." I feel like replacing Nanny with me probably lowers the average pitch of the voice by a few levels. Well, no, 
that's the thing. <laughs> I think our our uh, our pitch is holding steady. <laughs> mm, mm. No, I think we're a good full note or two lower. You'll also note, Mina, where we both, Jason. Um, I'm going to go ahead and and guess that you are recording outside, correct? Uh, yeah. Can you not hear my beautiful bird friends? No, because I can't hear them over my beautiful bird friends. Oh, so you're outside as well. Why would I not be here in glorious Georgia? It's like 71 degrees and perfect, and the bugs really haven't woken up and decided to assert their power yet. Uh, Mina, you are joining us from sunny, beautiful. Uh, are you in Los Angeles right now? I am. Yeah, I'm. I don't know if you know this. I live two houses down from Holly Anderson. Mm-hmm. And in in like yeah. in like true sort of journalist fashion, do you two ever see each other? I have a bet. No, <laughs> we have definitely DM'd more than we've actually seen each other since mm. I moved here. That's true. That those are cat rules, right? Like, <laughs> like ju- journal journalists with other journalists are like, yeah, I'm moving right down the street. It's like, yes, we'll DM. We'll never yeah, see each other. I'll DM you. We could set up. We could actually set up a tin can f- telephone. That is how close we are, but we have not seen each other that much. You have a very crowded neighborhood for people whose names are e- at least known. Uh, Patton Oswalt lives in your neighborhood. Really? I didn't know that. Wow. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say Brian Phillips. <laughs> Lives in our neighborhood. <laughs> who's, who's that? <laughs> Noted luminary. Uh, Brian, wow, Patton Oswald. I haven't seen him walking around. Yeah, I, I know he he lives in your neighborhood. There's like a there's like cool. a ju- there's like a judge on your street, like a judge. Which I always thought, man, if you're a judge, you should be doing better than me. Like Wait. theoretically, <laughs> what does like a judge mean? Uh, I mean, it is a judge with like you know some forty year old vernacular put over for emphasis a an, an actual judge this is a state california that actually has laws jason um okay. yeah. i thought you meant like like he's a judge of the streets or something like that like, <laughs> like judge judy maybe like this like LA. like terry cruz lives on the street he's the happiest judge of the streets ever like don't do that <laughs> he's he's like a judge <clears throat> i i respect his authority more than many states legal systems so i'm totally here for this i mean mm, uh, speak Yep. Sorry. No. 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 See, this is this is why it's good. You you were saying. Uh no, nothing, nothing. I. What, what were you gonna ask? <laughs> she fits in perfectly. Yeah. We're, see, this is. You're. That's exactly what we have to talk about. See, we wouldn't this, have this incredible dynamic if there weren't three people. <laughs> this, see, this seamless chemistry. It's, it's an exact formula that cannot be altered. Remember, if you want a stable system, make sure it has three parts. <laughs> that's that's a universal rule, right? Stars, relationships, executives. Like that's that's definitely what you want are three. That's nobody gets cut out in that. You actually gave us a segue, Mina, because you said nothing. And that again is what we have to discuss. Jason, I believe there's a whole keeping hot load of nothing in terms of uh, the college football universe this week. Like the only thing that's happened for me of note. Is that... I'm going to try and tell this dog to shut up. Okay, so that's your dog. Because I know Mina has a dog Hi. as well. My dog is being quiet and good. Okay, I think we're good. Okay. The only thing I have in terms of news is a picture of Nick Saban exiting a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Brother, you said we had nothing to talk about. Now you're trying to tell me this <laughs> picture of aviating Nick Saban? <laughs> Mina, now you you cover multiple sports. You're primarily, I would say, a Seahawks fan by identification, correct? Yeah, so NFL is my main beat, but I also follow college football, and I'm a Huskies fan. Okay, because you're from the Pacific Northwest, correct? 
Yeah, my dad went to University of Washington, so I kind of inherited that allegiance. Writing down the notes here, right? Genetically <laughs> transmitted. Okay, right. good. Lives, good. Near, lives near. Pat, I'm proud to say I'm. I've also just like I did not pay attention to Husky football from like 2005 through 15, mm, which smart, smart, I timed yeah. well and completely just leapt onto the bandwagon this year. So I'm caught up. That's superb. Hey, it, you didn't miss much. Yeah. <laughs> here. If you had timed it perfectly, you'd have gone. And I leapt on the bandwagon just short of the playoffs. I missed some just... extremely dark years, too, from, from what I gathered. Yeah. You know, missed you as missed, dark as they get. You missed my one of my favorite games ever, which was the 2008 Apple Cup. The two are you? Do you remember the 2008 Apple Cup, or do I? Do I'm, I? Booing it now, but refresh me. Uh, tell me, tell me, you do not, and that's that's where <laughs> I can just jukebox, right? Uh, the Crapple Cup came up, so I'm yes. excited. <laughs> yes. Explain to me what that means. Yes, yes. If you remember one of the all-time gamers ever written, we have cited it on this podcast, and I will cite it again. I would read this we every cite week, it like once a month, at least. Ted Miller. Ted Miller wrote one of the greatest gamers ever, and it was the Apple Cup 2008 where he covers and compares it to Plan 9 from Outer Space, uh, Jiggly, Giggly, Giggly, G- the Ben Affleck, Jennifer Gigli. Lopez. G- okay, Geely. Does, does, it, does it deserve a proper pronunciation? Giggly. Giggly. Gig- you know that Giggly movie. Uh, giggly. The 76 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Steve Spurrier quarterback that team. The 2003 Detroit Tigers. The toilet bowl between Kansas and Kansas State, 87, which finished in a 17-17 tie and one victory between the two teams. He compares them to all of them in the first three paragraphs. It ended. It ended in a 13-13 tie and finished with a 16-13 tie in overtime and miserable weather. You... You chose very wisely to just tune out for those years, Mina. With this wasn't that a oh that was Jake Locker Locker's injured year, right? I'm trying to put it in the 2008. I enjoy when I try to look up Jake Locker. It says, <laughs> "Were you were you looking for Jack Locker?" And Jack Locker isn't even famous. They're just like, nah, "Man, were you looking Jake for Jake Locker?" Else? Like, who could say when his college career began and ended? Like all eleven years of it. You are correct. Yeah. That, was, that was that was his injured year. He was he only I think he only played what like four games, five. Yeah, games? and he got right hurt. Yeah, there because I was just okay. I just pulled up the roster. Usually on these those Huskies rosters, you can still find one or two NFLers. I mean, Jermaine Curse was on the team back then, uh, Seahawks wide receiver, but it was pretty barren back then. Yeah, that's um, that. That's another thing. By the way, you should also know the fourth Google result for Jake Locker when you look it up is Jake Locker. Out of the NFL and back at home. <laughs> Fourth result. <laughs> like, like, good. Good for him. Yeah. Like, good he for him. Aww, I like Jake Locker. I, he's just a big old, like, he and Tim Tebow kind of came up at the same time. And I was just like, yeah, man, that's just like a Kia. Like, that's just the, the variation, right? Like, one's, <laughs> one's the Rondo, one's the Sorrento. They're just big old, lovable sort of minivans of quarterbacks, just plowing through <laughs> things without a care. And, like, like, minivans after four years you kind of want to you know jump jump off that particular train if you can he was like the t-low yeah but no that's cruel he did take place though do you remember the byu washington game were you there around for this uh was it before 2015 
I believe this was the 2009 game where Jake Locker. Yeah, no, that was my that was my dark period. Yeah, Spencer, you you, you gotta you gotta pay attention to the parameters here. This is really bad that you bring someone on the podcast and immediately subject them to their darkest period as a fan of a particular team, right? No, but she didn't watch any of it, so 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 it doesn't matter. When Jake Locker, no, when Jake Locker throws the ball up in the air and gets an unsportsmanlike penalty, <laughs> gives BYU another chance, which it's they so take. weird. It's so weird now. Even the, the Huskies, you know, weren't. I mean, la- the last year they really broke out, but even the last three years they've had so many NFL prospects first rounders even and it's so weird to think of any of these guys playing on those teams you know like your forget your john rosses i mean more like your kakahas or your shelton's i just can't even visualize them being on those jake locker era rosters yeah like the uh the three all-american slash first rounders i believe on that like 2014 team Mm -hmm. like a seven and six team with a third of the defense was first team all-american yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, this is a pattern we noted with Cal. When you start listing Cal players, it does not match up with your existing opinion of the Cal football program, right? Yeah, it's interesting. Why do you think that is sometimes with college teams? I mean, Washington, too, has the best basketball player in the country and, you know, terrible team. That's a little easier to understand. But why do you think that can happen where a college team can have so many players go to, into the draft and even succeed in the NFL, but it didn't just come together? I guess if you just don't have a quarterback, that helps. Not one. Have, go ahead, Jason. One theory that we've had, sort of, well, we meaning like me and Bud Elliott, um, who does is not impressed with West Coast football, is that in a league with like smaller linemen, which traditionally you're going to see more like 290, 300 pound linemen than like 330, 340. Like, it's just a different sport. That yeah. I think if you look specifically at pass rushers, especially, it's just not the same quality. Um, you know, and you can look at like what translates to the NFL level, like very few Pac-12 pass rushers, uh, you know, translate at the next level. And I don't know, it, like that's not to say Pac-12 teams aren't good. Like we see every year that they are. It just seems like the talent just, I don't know, it, it just doesn't quite click. I think it's this. I think it's that the depth isn't quite the same. So your right. skill, your skill players are just as good. You just don't have that massive sort of flotilla <laughs> in the middle of like service ships, right? These guys who are, who are the three and four stars at Bama who work the scout team and give them good reps during the week and then fill in seamlessly with injury and on. Yeah. Like the depth for me is probably like the short term answer on that. And yeah. And my favorite answer on this is that uh, the West coast is too cool to care about <laughs> like being like, they're like, no, no man, stop bra. Yeah. So yeah, no. and I mean, all this is with, like, you know, if USC hadn't gotten busted for a player, like, driving a car, they might have won another title or two. Oregon almost beat an SEC team for a title. So, like, it's not, like, we don't mean to shit on the Pac-12 or anything like that. It's just... No, uh, I, th- I think it's, that's, your theory is really valid. I mean, it certainly was borne out in the UW-Bama game, right, where you did have all of these skill players on offense and defense. It's some of the DBs on UW just making incredible plays, but then at the end of the day, Bo Scarborough runs 5,000 yards. I think he's still running, actually, mm-hmm. past yep. our defense. Yep. And nobody can tackle him. Um, we're, we're just not meaty. Like, there's just no, like, protein in the sandwich or something. I, I don't think... But, the- but when you're talking Bama, it's... I mean, Well, that's shit. different. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they make everybody look like that, except for Clemson. But. Yeah, except for Clemson. Clemson, who makes Bama look fat and slow. You know, Bama, you looked all fat and slow out there. 
so cute. Like little pandas running around. Um, the, the other thing too, with, with Washington, um, there's two things actually. One, I think there's an interesting story to be done on different teams coming into the league and what leagues actually produce players via longevity, right? How much wear and tear you have when you come in the league. Cause I don't think I've ever seen anybody kind of look at which programs actually bang up their players. Jason, I'm not mentioning any programs in particular that we were just talking about. Cause I think that'd be unfair. It'd be unfair, right? <laughs> Certainly not one that we just made a joke about a player running for more than a mile. <clears throat> no, or, you know, somebody getting like 2000 carries in a season, uh, you know, as a, uh, as a, an, a, a college player, right? Like, you know, rhymes with Herrick Denry. I mean, that would be, that'd be weird, right? <laughs> if you got like that many, if you got like a zillion carries and yeah, the, the, the question there though, is that some programs really do like wear out their players. And I wonder if the PAC 12, you know, hmm. a- accidentally is producing pros who come into the league with less wear and tear or even with, um, you know, in the case of somebody like Richard Sherman, it's interesting to me because, you know, his position wasn't even really settled, right? Yeah. And interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wonder if there's more room to grow. In other words, do you max people out at a place, a football mill like Alabama? That makes it sound like a puppy mill. That's so sketchy. Maybe <laughs> kind of a valid and sketchy comparison. Um, <laughs> but you know, they mass produce these players and, you know, build them up to a certain level. And there's really not much more they can do to develop them. Whereas in the Pac-12, maybe that pressure isn't there. And you have people who are going to look a lot better in the pros because there's just, yeah. un- there's just unmined potential. You have these Pac-12 puppies that are just so grateful for any mm-hmm. attention and love. And they're just cling <laughs> to you and learn the place. Um, yeah, I think there's some, I mean, you know, actually I was just talking to someone about this the other day. My NFL team, the Seahawks, haven't had success drafting from Bama uh, in how many years? Let's see. Let me pull this up. They've drafted a few guys in the first round. So, yeah, not since Sean Alexander. So it's been years. And they've and they've had a lot of uh, guys kind of bust. Uh, James Carpenter was the big one a few years ago. He was the first-round pick, and he ended up not, not being very good at all. So I wonder if there's some truth to that. I mean, it'll be interesting, again, with the Pac-12 next year, given that the best quarterback in the country, in my opinion, resides in that conference, seeing if that goes anywhere. I will say Pete Carroll always has a that-guy draft for the college fan. <laughs> that, that Pete Carroll always drafts these guys, and we go, yeah, that guy! Yeah! Like, we, like not only cult favorites, but guys that we knew were good, right? Uh, and people okay. who, not, I don't want to say under the radar, but the... like... No, like who? Who's well, like guy? the the Kansas the little Kansas State wide receiver. I'm blanking on the name. Tyler Lockett. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he, he a college darling? Like oh, a college every hipster? college fan would have said that's a first round pick. <laughs> I think he went in the second or third. Um, but as soon as he went, it was finally, fucking finally. And Russell Wilson was the same way. Um, uh, Bruce, we Bru- Bruce Irvin, like Bruce Ru- Irvin, Bruce Irvin. Mm. I remember Bruce Irvin when he when he was drafted. He was called a reach, and he was, he was oh big play. time. That was panned. Yeah. yeah, that was the same draft as Russell. You know, he was the first pick, and the Seahawks were given an F, I think, by Mel Kiper, my colleague, um, for the pick. That was the Russell Wilson draft, and I think Bobby Wagner was that draft too, who's gone on to become one of the best linebackers in the NFL. So yeah, that's they traded up for Lockett, by the way. They, he was a second round pick, and they traded up for him, and that pick was panned as well. Uh, oh, that's or, a good. That's or great. Paul Richardson, like the 2014 <laughs> draft. You know, when they chose Paul Richardson. 
it, you know, Paul Richardson caught, you know, some astonishing passes this year. And there was that like, man, Paul, Paul Richardson's finally like the lights coming on. Anyone who watched him at Colorado where he had nothing thrown to him and nothing yeah. blocking for his quarterback and just catching everything within a 20 foot radius. He was astonishing. Like, I think against mm-hmm. one game, Paul Richardson has like, like, I think he had like 200 yards receiving against USC. Right. And not the best USC team, but still like eye popping late night numbers. And I think my theory is that Pete watches the games that are always on the B deck on the college football <laughs> Saturday. Right. Like the under the radar game, like you could be watching Oklahoma, Texas, but over here, there's somebody Pete Carroll's going to draft who's going off right for like 10 tackles yeah. or 200 yards. It's like he's I- watching the game on the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think he, he has like the dark web? I love that. <laughs> like, is it? I mean, not every college coach translates to the NFL. Like, Lord knows we've seen that bust before. But do we think his? You know, the fact that he was a excellent college scout and recruiter and coach for a long time is like, you know, giving him more of a more of a sense for these players than other NFL types. I don't know if it's a talent. I mean, so much of Pete Carroll's recruiting was. I think not even so much about his eye as it was his silver tongue, right? I mean, he was he was going after blue chick guys, like he was going after guys who were really well known and winning. I never forgot. Um, a few years ago, I had this weird night where I watched a Seahawks game with Patrick Peterson's mom at her house, and she told me this story. Every time Pete Carroll appeared on the screen, screen she would visibly swoon. <laughs> like just put her hand Same. in her heart Same. and so she was like I, I never forgot that man like when he was recruiting Patrick what a charmer <laughs> she's just like the sound of his voice I just love him and the Seahawks were crushing Arizona in this game and she just was like oh Pete there he is again so I had this really impressed, like this guy charms the the bejesus out of players moms and their grandmas and you know that was kind of his thing back then Mm. he's he was i I never really like i always knew the aggro side i did not know the charming ladies man angle oh my god seriously no 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 i mean i knew i knew other angles of that story let's put it that way i did not know that in this in the context (laughs) of recruiting have you ever seen pete carroll with his shirt off it, the man is ripped. He's swole. He's like the oldest coach in the NFL, and he has like the bod of a 35-year-old. Yeah, he used to do this USC swim fundraiser, and Will Ferrell would show up with his giant appendectomy scar in a Speedo with, you know, everything hanging out, and that was real funny. But then he would be right next to this like 38-year-old uh, very fit neurosurgeon, and you go, wow, who is that? It was Pete Carroll. Mm. <laughs> You're like who's that who's that actor taking a break from filming Viagra commercials? Oh wait. <laughs> it's an NFL coach. I'm gonna tell and you he's, he's jacked. Yeah, he's too hot for Viagra commercials. Like he wouldn't be relatable, <laughs> right? Because it wouldn't be like Pete Carroll. Not believable. Pete Carroll in the one bathtub on the mountain. In the next one to the Seahawks mascot or whatever. Just recruiting. <laughs> just just him up there. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Watching tape. Mothers. Just on face just on, tape. just on FaceTime with somebody's mom. Hey. How you doing? Win forever. Yeah, win forever. It's just so beautiful out here on the West Coast. The energy's so good. 
so good. I know that you're in where Mobile, Alabama. Yeah, that's that's fine. You know, you could you could of course you know you could go with the Texans and live in Houston, or you can you know, just come up here where we've got pans to sunrise with phone, right? Like. Wah. <laughs> And there was the story, this came out a few years ago, and a bunch of other teams have probably copied it, but Pete does actually recruit at the NFL level. Like, the UDFA program in Seattle is, like, far developed beyond, and, like, you know, they have extensive literature and research, and, like, if you come sign with us, you have an X percent chance of actually playing, which is the tops in the league, and I'm sure other teams have copied this, but... Yeah, there's like an infamous PowerPoint. And, and it's, it's true. They do have the most um, undrafted players on their roster by like a crazy amount. By the way, I love that I successfully turned your college football podcast into a Pete Carroll Seahawks podcast. This, this is, is a Seahawks program. It's a Seahawks full cast. Seahawks full call. That, <laughs> also, you, you do have, I do hate to interrupt the, the boots on the table comfort of this discussion, but there is an issue that you have um, a feud over uh, a piece of intellectual property that Seattle claims and that another <laughs> team, I don't want to call them a college team because I feel like that does a disservice to both the loyalty iconography <laughs> and near religi- hey. the transcendent uh, religiosity of the team. An East Texas militia. <laughs> uh, a way of life that would be the Texas A&M 12th man um, where do you stand on this issue I, you can ignore the law we're, we're friendly with that here okay by the way A&M kind of is, falls into the category we were talking about earlier of teams where holy smokes some of the NFL talent that's come out of there yet mm. they haven't been better that's, you know, that's an <laughs> but that's that, tabling that discussion the whole 12th thing it's like you know when you're dating someone and you love everything about them, but they have like a weird sweater that they wear all the time, and you don't, you just have to like grin and bear it, even though it's embarrassing. And they, you just, you don't really want to bring them to parties because you're like kind of embarrassed to them. But they're great at home. Sometimes I feel that way about the Seahawks because of the fan base and because of the Twelves thing, and and especially the Twelves, like when they call us. The twelves. What they do that? They do that, and it's oh, embarrassing. Wow. And I'm not. I don't. It's like I. It's we are twelves or the twelfth man. I. It's at. It's kind of surpassed parody at this point. I. I. I'm not proud of it. I don't even like when they they're having this battle with a And M. I'm not going to fight for the right to retain the twelves. I. I don't want to be a twelve. I wish to disassociate. I want to be separated from that narrative. I, it seems to me like that term is just, it's a little off key. If it were wrestling and you called your fans 12s, right? Like that'd be fine, right? Like what's up 12s, right? (laughs) Like that would be fine. But like, it's not quite, it's a little too campy for the NFL, which just doesn't do camp, right? Like, I mean, if if you come around here and say, um, I just saw a bunch of 12s. I mean, that, that that means I just saw a bunch of cops, so you, you're probably going to want to go that somewhere a, else. I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. I don't think you want to say that in Seattle either. Like, that's a riot town. That's an anarchist town. <laughs> right? they, after the Super Bowl, they celebrated, and there was this kind of viral shot of a bunch of Seahawks fans waiting for the light to cross the street as they were rioting. Um, <laughs> which definitely captures the fan base to some degree. It's weird, though, man. Like, that town... You know, 10 years ago, it was nothing. The mania 
and just kids walking around in Russell Wilson jersey. It's all very new and strange. Yeah, the the by the way, the explanation for Texas A&M also being a Pac-12 type school, it's just like a little slice of Portland in the middle of Texas. Just just <laughs> climatically and like, you know, and culturally, College Station is basically Bend, Oregon. Some great third wave coffee there, uh, it's but just... also militant. So it's one of those Oregon militias, like one of those hole up in a Federal Reserve kind of Oregon towns. Mm. Yeah, right. That really happened. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, that, and uh, I know that you have to go. Uh, we have already stolen so much of your time. So you're you're like <laughs> okay. a listener now basically if you made it this far <laughs> none of them do so thank yeah. you for bearing with us and <laughs> discussing the seahawks on the seahawks podcast that was great no, this is a phenomenal this is phenomenal i think, I think we're all 12s now well, i don't it, if you oh, look shit. down uh, you might have the mark of the 12 just got sworn heart. in 12 pa- 12 pock in the ring what's up 12s <laughs> i just inducted you with um, my voice are you uh, i have two questions left uh, one, sure. are you a, are you a wrestling fan at all? Um, I don't mean wrestling. I mean, as Bomani Jones, <laughs> as, as Bomani Jones would say, wrestling. You mean like doing it myself or watching? Because um, <laughs> oh, do you have an in ring alter ego? <laughs> um, well, so I I am a little sister of an older brother, so I naturally grew up. You know, you kind of it's like intoxicating, like the smell of a fart that never goes away. Mm-hmm. It was just in my nostrils at all times during the you know stone cold era so i had to watch a lot of wrestling and you know be on the receiving end of stunners growing up that's good can you sell it that's the important part with the stunner it's not taking the stunner because everyone at one point will take a stunner it's how you sell it <laughs> i i i i have experienced a lot of real pain oh, okay so- you're really bringing me back <laughs> so that's so uh, so the answer is yes then very yeah, authentic yeah. Oh no! Oh gosh! I just had another traumatic memory. I because I have long dark hair. My brother would make me be the Undertaker. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it was, I, and I would come. And, you've seen Ringu, right? My rendition of the Undertaker was kind of like to be act like Ringu as I walked in. <laughs> see, I never I, look at the Titan Tron. <laughs> this is see. This is brilliant though because if the WWE sold the Ringu curse. You'd have to what? Get the next stadium to watch it. So like this is just passing it forward, right? This is like this fits with their business model. If Vince could do this, he would. I think I think what Vince do is you would never be able to stop watching the WWE network. Uh I have no idea how we got here, but um I'm yeah, just, I, I, I'm just I'm just impressed that you played The Undertaker, because I've met you. Um that would not be that would not be the the physical fit. You're not taker sized. You're not you're not six ten, right? Taker sized. You see me more as a Triple H. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think you're definitely in the Triple H mode, right? Maybe uh, let's see who's who's Braun Strowman. Yeah, definitely in the Braun Strowman mode. Um, that would be uh, Jason. Who was your wrestler? We figured this out once. Like who your actual alter? Uh... Like my best comparison? Yes, yes. Like yeah, we've discussed this once a year or so. Um, probably around this time. It's WrestleMania week. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember who we settled that. on. No, I. I, I don't. Because I, I I, I'm Bray Wyatt, right? Like that's pretty obvious. 
I'm I'm basically yep. Bray Wyatt. Makes I can't sense. Get, I can't get around that. Oh, although Wright Thompson is also Bray Wyatt, so like that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of hard. Well, now there's you multiple... guys probably have to fight for a lot of characters. Is he taller than you, Spencer? Because he could be the Big Show. No, he is not. He is okay. not. You're you're about the, the same. Big Show then. Yes. <laughs> it's just a foot shorter. He is he is two inches shorter than I am. I'm just making that up. I really don't know. He's one of those people. You're, I've, you're about equal, yeah. About equal. I've been, okay. I've met you both, yeah. I'm definitely wider. Definitely. Have you ever stood next to the Big Show? Uh, yes, I have stood next to the Big Show, and it is humbling. <laughs> it is. I wouldn't call him a smelly person, but standing next to him is the most powerful experience of sensing the scent of another person I've ever had. Like it just so much, so much skin and, and tissue that it takes to, to compile a person of that size. No, it's it like, just, a, it's it like fills your entire brain. With, no, and it's not like, Ooh, he stinks. It's just like, it's like you're standing next to a whale or something, No, it's a, like a, it, a whale that smells fine. It's like a horse moving through the neighborhood, right? Like you're, just, <laughs> you're like, Oh no. Yeah. You can't help but smell it. Smell yeah. Like and he's really, he's really cut now. So I'm just reiterating in case he mm. happens to accidentally listen. That he smells fine. <laughs> uh, the last, the last one is this: that you wrote a story that uh, everyone should read uh, about going to South Korea and watching South Korean bat flips, which I love because one of our great enduring subjects here are celebrations. The finest, I think, canonically for us in our sport would be the U era Hurricanes, who basically revolutionized how one celebrates. In the sport of football, the NFL this week, um, I believe, came out with a video illustrating proper celebrations. Do I have that right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Which, of course, the NCAA did for Miami thir- almost 30 years ago. And the I- NFL celebration rule is really complicated because it's not cut and dry like there's gradations. Like, for example... You can dance, but it can't be sexual. But like, what is sexual? You know what I mean? Like, you suddenly are forced to ask these deep questions um, when determining if it crosses a line. How much does this arouse Roger Goodell? <laughs> <laughs> do we do we have some sort of mechanism measuring this? My, my I guess my question would be: You've you cover a league that that has this obsession with manner and behavior. And then you also wrote a story in South Korea, um, baseball, about these players who this exuberance has like serious cultural significance, right? So mm, yeah. my, 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 my two things here. One, why is, why is the NFL doing this in the first place? And two, what culture are they restraining specifically here? Because <laughs> that, like, like, celebration is a, it should be like a part, right? Like how we do it. That's a part. I think yeah. of every culture and is, is how you celebrate, right? Like soccer, which is, should be like the oldest, most stayed sport in the world in Europe has these elaborate celebrations, right? Cause they've decided it's cool. Let your hair down. There's no, you know, you don't get a red card or a yellow card for celebrating there. Right. They just let you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I think with the NFL, um, it's less about any moral code or sense of right and wrong or concern. You know, people often think the NFL of the NFL is being conservative. And I think that's wrong. I think the NFL is above all capitalist, but I, I don't think there's any inherent sense of right and wrong that causes them to make these rules. I think it's just much more about establishing control 
at all times and making sure that this dynamic where the players can only do X, Y, Z within these certain bounds on and off the field and knowing that Goodell and the league always have the last say on everything that happens is so important to the league and the way it's structured. And the problem I think is that, you know, like what we've seen with baseball is you do turn people away at a certain point. It is alienating. And then at a certain point it does become harmful to the business. I think Um, like, I think the thing that I loved about the South Korean baseball bat flip article is that that seems so attached to that seems so attached and in play with everything around it, right? Like sports, you couldn't segment it off, right? It had meaning yeah. sort of, it had meaning beyond the walls of the stadium. Whereas I think one thing, and it's like a little detail, right? I wouldn't want to do like the hot take thing where you're like, this is everything <laughs> that's wrong with the NFL. No, like that's not everything. There's a lot of serious structural things that are, that are wrong with both the NFL and college in this respect that when you do that, you kind of divorce a game from the culture surrounding it and it makes it weaker, right? Like marginally, like marginally yeah. weaker, but like it, it, it cuts it off from everything else. Like if you can't, right, if you get a flag for doing the nay-nay, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I'm sure that was seven years ago at this point, right, as a reference. But I don't, I don't even remember that. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it will terrify me if I look it up because it will either be way closer to the present than I think <laughs> Or it's been way longer. The nay nay, that was like nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. And it'll be like, no, dude, that, that was eight that was eight weeks ago. But like so, if you if you can't do that, right? And you can't be part of like a cultural vernacular in any way, right? Other than like a hearty handshake, then the game itself starts to just look like this kind of divorced, weird, separate reality that's not really sort of like relating to anything else. This is some serious yeah. like, cultural studies bullshit, but like no, I like the divorce from reality. I thought that was good. Um, yeah, it, it it becomes stagnant. It doesn't grow with the audience. It doesn't get younger with the audience. And yeah, it's a little thing, but little things add up. I think you know when people say the NFL sucks, they're not pointing to any one thing in particular. They're pointing to a hundred little things that add up to a larger sense of formality and rigidness and unrelatability. Um, really quick, I just remembered as you were talking about the Nene, um, so I just did, I was just filming, um, a video with a football player and I'm not going to say who, cause I want to ruin the surprise, but it's a football player who likes to celebrate and put me on the spot to do a celebration, like a dance, right? Mm-hmm. And I did not plan at all or think of one. So I stood there blankly looking like an idiot for like 10 seconds and then did the only thing that my body knew instinctively to do, which is I dropped to the ground and did the Homer Simpson dancing <laughs> in a circle the ground. And he was staring at me like, what the hell are you doing? Were you making the noise and everything? Yeah, I was doing the whole thing, you know, like he was so confused. Um, was a younger player too, probably had no idea what it was and thought it was I was the weirdest person on the planet. It's from The Simpsons. It's a really, really old TV show. I was yeah. thinking, I was trying to think of the most dated, weird, like referential celebration I could do, and it would be the George Bailey, aka the It's a Wonderful Life, where I sit at an <laughs> invisible bridge rail crying, yeah. right? And then my teammate floats in like an angel held by his teammates, right? And they sort of drop him there and we hug. That's it. Guys, I have some breaking news. Oh. Jerry Rice has followed me and unfollowed me on Twitter four times, and he just followed me again. 
is back. <laughs> what is wrong with him? I don't know. <laughs> what is, I don't he's, know. I don't. He's he's like incredible at the internet in a well, bad way. Like I think it was one of those Tay Diggs situations where at first he followed everyone because I bragged about it to a coworker and they're like, no, 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 he follows me too. But then I think someone professional took over his Twitter and unfollowed everyone. But now I'm back, baby. So, oh shit, you've been followed by like like alternate Jerry Rice, like rogue Jerry Rice has followed you. I only I only want one Jerry Rice to follow me, and it's receding hairline but still has braids. Oakland Raiders Jerry Rice. Oh, I thought you were gonna go Popeye's face mask Jerry Rice. <laughs> oh no, no. His, his Twitter is tightened up. It's a lot more professional. I'm looking Jerry at it. and Ronnie Lott are like the little B of former football players as far as following everyone. I guess it's a Bay Area thing then. Like Barry area people just follow everyone online. Yeah, no, he's he's tightened it up. It's not as fun. Oh no, there's a weird one that says it's hashtag Hump Day people, and then it's a meme of Heath Ledger as Joker saying, "Stop making excuses, just do it." <laughs> he still got it. <laughs> Jerry still got it. Jerry's very good online. Touchdown, <laughs> Rice. We end there. That's perfect. Yeah, that's yep, that's yeah. Good there job. you go. That was weird. I'm sorry.